Recorded live. There you go. Now we're talking. Recorded live, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been, uh, you know, keeping updated with all your wonderful developments and interesting times. So um, I'm moderately up to speed, but um, why don't you tell me what's, there's something going on with this this interesting dude that you're hanging out with, as far as I know. Yeah, so I um, <clears throat> there's been an interesting dude for about six weeks, and um, and he, you know, he meets a lot of my criteria on my vision, my partner vision, um, and he's a really high quality human being. Like he's really thoughtful, sensitive, attuned you know, emotionally intelligent, self-aware. I think he's done a lot of work. He's ha- He had some really big challenges in his early life, and he's pretty aware of how that has affected him and his, um, you know, how how that leads to feeling triggered. And, you know, um, he's able to articulate that, which is really huge. Yeah, um, super important. It That's is. Great. It's super. It's super important. And... Um, it had been going really well. Um, I'd had, before I get into the most recent thing, I'd had kind of um, felt a little bit uncertain or uncomfortable about dynamic with his ex-wife. His ex-wife has is sort of not a totally healthy person. Uh-huh. Um, and they have an 11-year-old, they co-parent an 11-year-old child. And so um, he has had to sort of do a little dance with her and and sort of maybe accommodate her in a lot of little ways. And if he doesn't, it turns out that she takes it out on the daughter. And So he's sort of trying to protect the daughter, you know. And in the past, it just means different things. Like one, one example is, she cancels picking picking up Lucy from school, or she cancels a lot. She can be late. She can, she's sort of flaky, and so he, you know, um, is having to compensate for that, which I think is totally fine. But he said past partners have had a hard time with that because you know they may have plans, and then the ex-wife calls and is like, "Oh, I can't do this," and he, and he is the one who, you know, picks it up. Right. Um, and then he also had an ex-partner to whom she was just awful and it ruined the relationship with the other partner. And, um, and he, I think was moderately, I don't know. He, he tried to protect the partner, but, um, wasn't overly successful until maybe the very end when she, he was like, he confronted her and he was like, Hey, what, what are you, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing this for? And I guess she changed a little, but, um, you know, that was concerning to me because I, I don't know, I guess for obvious reasons. So, right. um, a bit of a red flag and, um, you consider it a red flag that he has a messy ex-partner. I consider it a red flag that he, a little bit, but that, that he's a little bit disempowered. I mean, it, and it feels like he's a little bit impotent in, and that's a strong word for the situation, but impotent in being able to 
manage that. Like, she, it seems like she controls the situation an awful lot. So do you feel like he should be able to have better boundaries with her or something? I think so, yeah. I think he should be have clear. I don't know. But it's a question mark. Like, I don't know, maybe he's tried to give boundaries. I don't, but, but it, it sounds like maybe he he's, he's a little bit more accommodating, you know, and he considers this to be a good partner. I think he's a bit of a people pleaser. And so he's uh-huh. sort of trying to, you know, work with this person who's got some, you know, unhealthy traits and bad behaviors. And so I consider that piece to be a red flag, okay. how he deals with it. Um, and, and then the latest thing Lady Lauda told you about it is that, um, he was, we had, most of the time we have not been integrating Lucy, his 11 year old daughter. And so he gets her for a chunk of time and and we don't see each other during that time. Um, but then one weekend, I think it was a Friday afternoon or maybe Saturday morning, he said, Hey, maybe Lucy and I will come over. Um, this weekend and visit you and I was like sure that would be great and and then um, uh, he in the end did not come over and like every half day he sort of give me an update like oh well now Lucy wants to do this and now she's skating with friends and now she's doing that and it can't be now but maybe this afternoon and then it, then the next morning happens and Lucy's at church and we'll see what she, she's going to do afterwards and maybe it'll be afterwards and and then it wasn't, and then it's, and then it's like he never. I and I feel like I completely put everything on hold, but I tried to remain agile, you know, and kind of flexible. And maybe I, if I hadn't known that that was a possibility, I might have made other plans. They're just not been, you know, um, yeah, I might have made more, been more assertive about making other plans. And so by the end of the weekend, I was really pissed off okay. because I was like. What you know? You know? You think we're just gonna wait around? And and I I just felt disrespected. I felt like I was my my time um, was disrespected. Mm-hmm. And he sort of never said no, and he never said yes. And I was giving given updates every four or five hours, and you know, like what am I supposed to do? Just put everything on hold. So then I just and it, I told him that I felt annoyed by that and that in the future I would, you know, my request would be that if he could not suggest something, unless he's 75% sure that he could fulfill it, because I felt like our time was disrespected. Uh And he he said, I'm really sorry, I feel really bad. And he said, thank you for, you know, telling me your concern. And and then he just said, I'll make it up to you. He didn't say, I, you know... (laughs) got it, you know, makes total sense, I won't do that kind of thing again. He was like, I'll make it up to you, which is sweet, but it's not exactly the point, you know? Right. Um, and, um, and then I, since then, I have felt, I felt really turned off by it. It's really had a strong, I've just felt like, mm, you know, not so, my interest has waned significantly. Yeah, and why is that? What's come up for you? It sounds like you're making a bigger meaning out of it than just what happened exactly. Like you've formed some judgments about it or conclusions or something like that. Um, yeah. So what the hypothesis I generated from that is that he... 
does in that occasion did not take charge of a situation and influence if he stated that he wanted you know to come over and get together he didn't make it happen uh-huh. and so he is um in that case not taking a leadership role with regard to his daughter and so yes she wants to do these five things and may, six things over the weekend, maybe she does five, and one of them is, you know, his agenda. Right. And um, and also that I, it was just really surprising because it just raised a flag because up until this point, he's been very assertive about let's get together, you know, let's get together. And he's driven it, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Let's do this, let's do that on this date. And it's very, he is the moving, the driving force, which I really like. I want someone, I want that kind of a man, you know, that kind of a male energy. Mm-hmm. And and then suddenly he was totally floppy. Uh-huh. And I was like, yuck, I don't like floppy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so those two things, like I, you know, wait a minute, which is it, which is it going to be? So those are the two things, you know, I I did feel, I know that he didn't intend to make me feel that way, and I told him that. I trust that you didn't intend to have this impact, but I ended up feeling like our time was disrespected, and it was just confusing. It's like, all right, well. That's true. You felt, you left it open-ended. Like you said, the only way you could accommodate that is if you kept your plans pretty open for the whole weekend, or at least a big portion of it. And I would feel bad to me too. I understand. Yeah. Right. But it's 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 not just that though, is that you're you know, I mean if it was just a mishandled situation, just telling them, say, look, don't do that again you know. Like you said, only make in fact I was actually surprised you even said seventy five percent. Like if it was me, I would say, you know, let's let's make definite plans in the future. Not even seventy-five percent sure, but and also, I mean, that particular situation of bringing an eleven-year-old to your place to kind of visit with you and the little baby girl is not an eleven-year-old's idea of fun, right? Going to visit some adult and a baby. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's what Lauda said. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I live on the ocean. She could, we could all walk by the beach, you know, and look at the. Well, but that's that'd be rocks. different. If, she, if he said, "Hey, let's go to the beach," and by the way, I'm having my friend Deb and her baby's going to join us. Even that wouldn't sound thrilling, but it it the focus is the activity, not the people. Let's go to the beach, right? But he brings her along, like he he works and he brings her to work sometimes, you know. So he's got all these activities and he brings her along. She's sort of like this cute tag along, you know. So he he yeah. um, and I actually have no idea how he presented it to her. He didn't tell me how he presented it to her. Right. Uh, well, anyway, I'm just saying my point is not really to get caught up on those details, but more just that there's the way the situation got handled, which felt bad, and you did tell him, like, hey, that didn't feel okay. Don't do that again in the future. Only do this. So that was that was you standing up for yourself and, and all that, and that's great. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds like for you, you as you said, you, you went beyond just what happened and said, I used to see him as a take-charge guy, and now I'm seeing him as wishy-washy, and I'm now feeling turned off. So it's gone beyond simply a mishandling of the situation. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the question is, is how accurate a judgment is that? I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, one data point that's in, in um, different than a lot of other data points. All right, exactly. So we have, we have one aberrant data point versus all these other data points that show him as a take charge guy. And respectful. Yeah. And respectful, right. Well, I don't think he realized what was going, you know, the impact. I think he probably got kind of lost in the situation. I mean, he was being respectful in the sense that he kept updating you on a pretty frequent basis, but I think... That's true. He probably didn't realize that it was going to end up being nothing. He kept thinking, well, maybe after this, maybe after this, maybe after this. And I don't know why it kept being a maybe. I'm not sure why his daughter was the one who was determining each activity. Exactly. That's the point. That's another point, that his daughter is determining the whole weekend. The thing is, is we don't really know the situation. Because what you just described, if she's a tag-along when he has to do a work thing, and he feels bad about it. It's like, you know, I'm really sorry, honey, but I need to take you with me to this work thing. And now this other work thing, this other work thing. I don't think he, he feels bad about it. I think they, they kind of like it, you know. They, well, yes and no, because if he takes her to a work thing and then she has to sit quietly somewhere and, you know, amuse herself, that's not too fun. You know, I can imagine, you know, it might be it's nice that we're, we're being together and I'm taking you with me, but... On the other hand, once we arrive, I'm working, and you're and you're not you don't really have anything fun to do other than what you bring with you, and you're doing it by yourself, and that's not that fun, you know. So I can I can imagine. I mean, the thing is, is I can imagine alternative scenarios. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine him wanting to make it up to her, like this line of "I'll make it up to you." It's like, okay, last weekend I had to drag you along to all these business things. This weekend, you get to pick what we do because I'm making it up to you. Could be, but that's a, that's an invented scenario. We have no idea if that's how it is. Like that's and that's my point possible. too. And yeah. that's exactly my point. I'm saying I could you you invented a scenario too in your mm-hmm. mind. That's true. Yeah. You you invented a negative scenario. I just invented a positive scenario. Neither of us know which, which scenario is correct. Mm. That's my point. So you're you're letting one counter data point override all of the other data points, as you said. Mhm. So I, I don't think the verdict is in personally. Okay. But here's the cool thing: is that if you're in a state of doubt, that becomes this marvelous opportunity to practice. Right. I mean, like we're trying to have the courage to be ourselves in good, healthy ways. And what tends to stop us is fear of losing the person, right? The fear is that like, if I speak my truth, if I act my truth, if I am mm-hmm. my truth, then I'll lose the person. So we get scared to fully be our truth. So as we get healthier, we go from 50% our truth to 60 to 70 to 80, like that. But the cool thing is, is if you're thinking, well, I'm not so sure anymore if I really want to be this person, well, now the stakes are not so high anymore, are they? Mm-hmm. And now it becomes this fantastic opportunity to be 100% my truth. So what am I holding back so that I couldn't That's be 100% question. my truth? Yeah, so yeah, what, is, what are you holding back? I don't know because, I mean, I think I told him how I felt 
you know? Yeah, that part was good. Yeah. But I'm talking about not when there's a conflict, but just simply, what are you holding back? Period. Generally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I don't know that I have an immediate answer. I think maybe what I need to do is observe myself, you know, as, as we're, you know, spending time together and see what am I holding back? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and then bring it forth. I'm okay, yeah, so it'd be good. For... Yeah. So it'd be good to be to really pay attention to that. Um I mean everything you were saying about him up until this thing that happened sounded really good. Before that happened, how did you feel about him? I felt really good with um, a little uncertainty around the ex-wife situation and how that would all all fit, how that would work. I felt uncertain. But I felt a little vulnerable about that, like, you know, and um, so it's sort of like two two pieces of uncertainty now, you know. Uh And also the other thing is I I don't totally know if he has a bandwidth to sort of be... as caretaking as I'm uh, and as engaged and sort of as supportive as I'm looking for someone to be, you know, ideally I would have someone who, um, this is where he's a little bit off of my, um, partner vision where the part, the ideal vision would be someone who's able to really engage with us, um, in a way that, um, is a little more caretaking, you know, so I, I get a little bit of a break. I get a little bit, I feel like the the burden is lightened a little bit and shared a little bit. Not the burden, but a little bit, like the... the no, burden. No matter how much you love your child, if you're on 24-7, it becomes a burden. Yeah. And you want it like, nice to have breaks, yeah. Yeah, and... And just to feel sort of like I can let down a little bit. Whereas right now, I kind of feel like we have equal situations. And he's off, you know, managing his 11-year-old daughter working and managing his ex-wife and that situation. And we're sort of on these parallel paths. I'm here living my life working, raising my daughter. He's over there living his life working, raising his daughter, managing his ex-wife. And it's like we're on these parallel paths where I'm, hoping to find someone who can join us and be a family together and um, and it feels like he's a little bit 
his plate's a little full to be able to do that as much as I would like, if that makes any sense. Well, it makes sense with you living apart. How do you think it would be if you were living together? Probably better, you know, because things would be more blended and there would be... Now, the sense I get from everything I've heard is that he actually is quite the caretaking guy. And if anything, that's a bit of his challenge, is that he's trying to take care of people and sometimes that puts them between a rock and a hard place. Right. And so where does that leave me and, and my daughter? Well, I think if you guys were living together, I mean, you can't know. I mean, you've only been seeing this guy for six weeks. So. Right, <laughs> so right. You're just still yeah. getting to know each other. Right. Um, and, and I know that you're looking ahead, like, well, would this work in the long run, right? Like, I, I don't want to mess around. So I'm, I'm seeing how, I'm fitting him into the picture and seeing how it looks and how well it would work and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a little challenging. It's a little tricky, I mean, because it's not fair to picture who, how he is now with you at this stage of relationship versus what it would be like after six months instead of six weeks mm-hmm. or after a year and you're living together or something like that. You know, it's, it's, the, the circumstances are different. Like you just said, we're living parallel lives. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking, well, of course you are. You're only, you're only engaged each other for six weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's, sometimes we can kind of get ahead of ourselves a bit. So, I mean, you do want to look, I do understand how, you know, you want to get to know the person and see whether or not you're compatible and whether or not you think in the long run, but you can't base your current circumstance, you can't use the current circumstances as that. You can use, you know, as you get to know him, who he is, but not who he is in relation to you after only six weeks. Like, where is he prioritizing is is one of the things you're kind of implying in, in your story. Like, I don't feel like, I and my daughter are a priority. And it's like, well, yeah, you've only been seen each other six weeks. You're not, you're not supposed to be a priority yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like a little premature. The sense I have is that he is a caretaking person and uh, he's doing his best to manage everything. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, and if you were living together, you would be his his close unit. You would be high priority. I think his ex-wife only comes into the picture when she forces the situation. It's not that he wants to take care of her anymore. It's that, you know, if she doesn't show up to take her da- his daughter, their daughter, then he's left with his daughter, right? Or no, that doesn't-, doesn't bother me. Like, that, that makes sense to me, you know, getting the daughter. Like, I totally, that part doesn't. But let me give you another example. Okay. Um, she, if she's feeling sick and needs, you know, to go to the doctor or is feeling concerned about her health, and I think she's a little bit of a hypochondriac, she uh-huh. calls him, and he's kind of her support. And he has told me that there's kind of a lingering dependency that they haven't, you know, that they haven't been able to get rid of yet, and that it wouldn't. Uh-huh. And that yeah. part, like, I don't call my ex-boyfriends when I'm feeling sick, you know? <laughs> yeah, but there's not, it's not an ex-spouse with a shared child either. I mean, here's, I hear your concern, and I'm not saying there's no basis of it. Um, I think it's. I think the story is still not clear. We're still getting yeah. to know him. Okay. So like this, like this thing that happened on the weekend. I think that's, as we both acknowledge, it's a single data point. So I think yeah. we need more data points. And the other thing to keep in mind is that we all have issues, 
and and a lot of people have challenging exes. Lauda has a challenging ex who um, is up and down all over the place over the past six years. There's been times when he has been a raging maniac that's made life really difficult. There's times he's been an intense role keeper and made life really difficult. And there's been times when he's been friendly and pleasant uh-huh. to be around. You know, it, it varies. So there's times when I've been impacted by his him. Lots of times when Lauda's been impacted by him. And, you know, things have got really upsetting. And it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to avoid exes, you know. It's uh, that's a ch- it's challenging to find that. Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, rule out Lauda because she had a, hard, a difficult ex. Because well, I thought she was great, but I, and I knew that you know she has an ex. Yeah, but and I have to say the, the majority handles with it, right? I mean, it, that's mm-hmm. the main thing. How does the person handle the ex? Uh, yeah, and. One of the things that I think I said to you when we were seeing each other actively, which I looked at my database, so it's been two years since our last uh-huh. But one of the things I say to people is that our parents are our PhD thesis, right? How do we are with our parents? And our partners are, are our master's thesis. Remember me saying that? Yeah. No, I don't remember it, but I, I like the concept. Yeah. So, you know, and our, and our spouses are... Are, are somewhere between master's and PhD. <laughs> you know, I just meant, you know, like a boyfriend or a girlfriend is like our master's thesis, but a, a spouse is is in between master's and PhD. It's it's the most challenging. It's the place where we're going to get the most triggered. Mm. I look, Loud and I are two therapists. We still get triggered with each other. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, we don't, we're not our best selves with our exes. We're just not. And, mm. you know, if the person is reasonably-ish, okay-ish with their ex, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, nobody triggers us like our exes other than our parents, you know? So it's it's tough. I, I it's, You haven't had to deal with that. And, uh, and I haven't either because I never got married until I met Lauda. But I've had, you know, Lauda and girlfriends in the past who had been married and had an ex and every single one of them got triggered by their exes and had challenging experiences with their exes. I don't know that many people who have really nice, easygoing, friendly relationships with their exes, actually. Mm. No, I know of one. We have, we have some friends where if they're a married couple, both previously divorced, and one of them has a really challenging relationship with the ex and the other one it's one of these rare people who has a really nice friendly relationship. I was like, oh, wow, pretty cool. So not the norm, you know. So as you are meeting interesting, cool dudes, chances are a lot of them have been married before and a lot of them will have challenging access. And especially mm-hmm. if it's involved, it's hard to completely separate from the ex. Like if you never had kids, it's, you get divorced and say, look, just stay the hell away from me. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't call me, don't nothing, you know. Yeah. We're, we're done. But when you have a kid together, there's absolutely no way to do that. There's this ongoing connection, whether you like it or not, and and you still trigger each other. Just because you got divorced doesn't mean you stop triggering each other. Mm. So, 
And sometimes it ain't pretty. And that's because we're all human. Yeah. Maybe what I've done is I've... So, before I finish that sentence, what do you think is at the heart of my, um, you know, feeling kind of withdrawing, you know, my my interest, like my interest, you know, shifting? Uh, The first part of that sentence that I was fuzzy, I didn't understand the words. Say that again. So what is your best hypothesis about why this weekend experience has really been a turn-off, a big turn-off for me, like a big, maybe disproportionate? Right, this is what I'm hearing. I think your I, I'm, I'm disproportionately, you think I'm disproportionately reacting to this. Yeah. So let's feel, let's feel into it. So I want you to think about the overall experience. And without trying to analyze it with your mind, just feel what you feel that whole experience in your body. The whole six weeks? No, the thing that happened on the weekend. Over the weekend. Yeah. So just notice what you feel that experience in your body. Where or what? Where. Where? Where do you feel it? Just kind of be with what happened with him that weekend and just notice where you feel it in your body. I feel it in my solar plexus and in my... um, my throat chakra. Okay, so you feel it in your solar plexus and your throat chakra. Now, tell me more, more detail what it feels like physically in your solar plexus and throat. Um, I mean, it feels like anger. It's like physically, it feels like a density or an intensity in my in my uh, solar plexus and that chakra, and then in my throat, it sort of feels like also like an intensity, but not quite as dense. Okay, sort so of like so a, yeah. So solar plexus is a dense intensity. Yeah. And the throat, it's intensity, but not kind of dense. Yeah. yeah. And the emotion, uh, next question I was going to ask you is what emotion, so that's anger. Got it? Yeah. Okay, now, I'd like you to let go of him, but still, don't engage your mind at all. Just keep your intention, attention, I mean, on your solar plexus and throat, that dense intensity in one place and the intensity in the other. Mm-hmm. Emotion, anger. And again, without trying to figure anything out or reach for it, let a young memory pop into your head and just wait to receive it.
anything coming to you, even if it doesn't make sense? Um, nothing explicit. Like what shows up in my mind is um, the swimming pool where I used to I used to swim in the summers, like in on the swim team. Um, and something about my dad, but nothing, nothing clear, no explicit memory. Okay. Yeah, I was muscle testing. I just asked which parent I got dad. Mm-hmm. So we're both agreeing it seems to be connected to dad. But something with your dad. And I get that it's not anything to do with the swimming pool, but okay. it is connected to your dad. You know, one possibility is that I didn't, I didn't feel like um, it's not explicit. It's more of a, a feeling than an event, though. So I. Has to do with not being a priority. Not being a priority. Boom. Not being a priority. That feels very right on. What do you think? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Not feeling like a priority with your dad. Are you tapping? No. Okay, so let's go ahead and tap on it. Okay. Was that a frequent feeling with your dad that you were not a priority? I never really registered it back, back then, but um, you know, it's not something I would have articulated then, but if I look back on it, I would... I mean, his mental illness was his priority, right? You know, just sort of, he was not able to prioritize anyone else and because he was consumed by his own world, right? Consumed by his own. But that's your enlightened understanding viewpoint. Yes. Right, and your mental, analytical viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the but the your heart your your young your child heart point of view I'm guessing is the other one. I am not a priority to my dad. Yeah, I'm sure I felt that. Yeah. 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 Well, it was, so yeah, I think that's a really big deal. So I want you to just go tapping. We don't have like time to do a matrix on that, but we can do some tapping on it. But I want to try. Actually, let's just start by tapping on it, and then we'll we're going to we're going to have to compare. Okay. So, crash point. Even though I was not a priority to my father. Even though I was not a priority to my father. And I felt hurt, and what else did you feel? Unimportant and unloved. 
And I okay. felt hurt and important and unloved. Yeah. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. Even though I didn't feel like a priority to my dad. Even though I didn't feel like a priority to my dad. Um, I felt hurt, unimportant, and unloved. I felt hurt, unimportant, and unloved. <clears throat> I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. With kindness and compassion. With kindness and compassion. Okay, good. Okay, tapping all the points. I did not feel like a priority with Dad. I did not feel like a priority with my dad. He was caught up in doing so many other things. He was caught up in doing so many other things. He did not make me a priority. He did not make me a priority. I wanted him to make special time for us. I wanted him to make special time for us. I wanted him to... um, do special things with me. I wanted him to do special things with me. I wanted him to want to be with me. I wanted him to want to be with me. But he didn't do any of those things. But he didn't do any of those things. My mind understood that he was a sick man. My mind understood that he was a sick man. But he still didn't make me a priority. But he still didn't make me a priority. And I didn't really understand it. And I didn't really understand it. And I felt so unimportant. And I felt so unimportant. And hurt and unloved. And hurt and unloved. I felt so hurt, unimportant, and unloved. I felt so hurt, unimportant, and unloved. Because he wasn't dealing with his mental illness every minute. He wasn't dealing with his mental illness every minute. There was times when he was somewhat normal. (laughs) There were times when he was somewhat normal. He could have made me a priority then. He could have made me a priority then. And he didn't. And he didn't. And I'm really hurt. And I'm really hurt. Makes me feel Hmm. so unimportant. It makes me feel so unimportant. And unloved. And unloved. Not okay. It's not okay. Made me feel like I was not okay. It made me feel like I was not okay. Felt so hurt, unimportant, and unloved. Felt so hurt, unimportant, and unloved. Because he did not make me a priority. Because he did not make me a priority. He did not make me a priority. He did not make me a priority.
He did not make me a priority. He did not make me a priority. He did not make me a priority. He did not make me a priority. She made me feel, feel so hurt. It made me feel so hurt. And unimportant. And unimportant. And unloved. And unloved. And not worthy of love. And not worthy of love. And what's the name of this guy? John. What is it? John. John? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the situation with John... In the situation with John... I did not feel like a priority. I did not feel like a priority. He put his daughter over me. He put his daughter over me and Saoirse. Right. He put his and daughter over our relationship. Us. Yeah. Made me feel like I was not a priority. He made me feel like I was not a priority. And I felt hurt, unimportant, and unloved. Oh, and I felt hurt, unimportant, and unloved. That old familiar feeling. That old familiar feeling. That old familiar feeling. That old familiar feeling. So many other times, it was very different with John. Many other times, it was very different with John. I very much felt like a priority. I very much felt like a priority. And I felt important. And I felt important. And loved. And liked. Or liked, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in this experience... But in this experience... It reminded me of my old pain. It reminded me of my old pain. Because I did not feel like a priority. Because I did not feel like a priority. On the contrary. On the contrary. I felt like an afterthought. I felt like an afterthought. And it was a big change. It felt like a reversal. Yeah. I don't understand what happened exactly. I don't understand what happened exactly. And he did respect me enough to give me frequent updates. He did respect me enough to give me frequent updates. I don't really understand what happened. I don't really understand what happened. But what I do know is... But what I do know is... It reminded me of my old pain. It reminded me of my old pain, and it also made me think, there's no way I'm going to form a family in which my daughter feels like... Not a priority. There's no well, way. Did she, did she feel like not a priority or did you feel like not a priority? Both of us. Are you sure? Both. Oh, no, she, she definitely didn't feel that way, but she could. If I, if I marry someone for whom she and I are not a priority, I'm not going to recreate that situation for her. You know, oh, I'm yeah. Not gonna... But you, you included her in not feeling like a priority. I don't know if you noticed yourself doing that. Well, in this I experience, it just happened. In this, ex- what I was doing was saying, I'm not going to get into a situation where 
into a relationship where she could feel that subconsciously in her, you know, in her whole family experience. Like I want her to have a father who um, does prioritize her, who does love and prioritize would, her. Would he adopt her if you guys got married? Well, that's what I would like to have happen um, with the ideal partner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would have loved it if um, Fia was available for adoption. I would have done it in a heartbeat. Yeah. So. But she can't go around. She can't be in a family where she feels like a second-class citizen. Like, I wouldn't do that to her. You know, I would never. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. You, so I think what's going on here, and we only have four minutes left, so I have to, I have to get into the analytical part now. <laughs> what it seems like what happened here is that this experience, this experience triggered an, an old pain. Mm. This ambiguous experience, I should say. It's ambiguous because we don't know what really happened, Right? Yeah. We don't know if he was trying to make things up to her by letting her choose. And, of course, as an 11-year-old, who the hell would choose visiting some adult with a little baby? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have done that as an 11-year-old. Forget it. You know, we don't know exactly what happened. But what we do know is he felt strung along, yeah. not a priority. And it um, subconsciously reminded you of that old pain. And I think, you know, you said, you know, what do you think could be going on? Because, you know, on the one hand, you were, you know, kind of jumping into his judgment mode. But certain personality profiles tend to write people off when they get hurt or angry. It's like, you know, it's kind of like it's... Which personality does that? Um... In the recent oh. world of personalities, or yeah, uh, well, knowledgeable cheer, charismatic leader—they tend to do that. <laughs> you wouldn't happen to have any of those, would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did just uh, suddenly. I I felt indignant about the situation, and it did credit him. Indignant. I felt oh, indignant. indignant. Yeah, yeah, indignant. And I and I did just sort of begin to write him off. Exactly. Like, so the knowledge receiver is, is going to go to a place of critic, critical judgment. Yeah. Right. Like I am yeah. judging what you, what you did is wrong, and it was not okay. Now, you know, the funny thing is, is in my sessions, I'm always encouraging people to say, "Oh, it's not okay with me," but it's it's, it's not okay from the sense that I'm I'm trying to establish a boundary. Whereas knowledgeable achievers, from the place of their rule keeper and, and the place of judgment, when they say not okay. When they say not okay, they are making a judgment. It's not a, hey, it's not okay with me to do X, I'm having a boundary. It's a, I'm judging you as not okay. <laughs> you know, I'm judging, I have judged your character and found it lacking. You know, it's not yeah. okay with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can be this dismissiveness. And there's also, it can come from a place of fear. It's like, I'm afraid of getting hurt again. So if anything even vaguely reminds me of an old pain, you know, I might be less aware of that one, but that might actually be the bigger driving force. So, 
And one of the things to understand, you know, when you have a kid, like you do, you have one, is that our, our child will always come first. I mean, always in our hearts. Not, not necessarily that I will always choose my child's preferred activity over what you want to do or something like that. But if push, push comes to shove, there's, there's going to be, as you can tell for yourself, um, that, you know, my, my daughter's... Can you still hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. second I thought I lost you. You know, for your own self, you know, like my daughter... You know, I, she's she's my number one. You know, I want a I want a husband, and I want him to be my other number one. But my daughter is my number one, right? You know, it's like my child is my number one. So it's this balancing act between my fierce protectiveness and and you know love of my child with my desire for union with another adult, and sometimes that can be a tricky balance between the two. Yeah. Now, one of the things that can happen in your case uh, is your daughter becoming his daughter. You know, if he if he wants more children, which Lada says he does, if he was to adopt your daughter, he would before within a year of doing you know of of that he would she would feel like his daughter. She would not be a second-hand daughter, you know, like a second-hand citizen or something like that, where his biological daughter, daughter always would be, you know, a priority over the adopted daughter. You know, the, his adopted daughter would be his daughter. Simple. Right, yeah. Right, so he would just be a parent with two kids where he had loved them both, and, and they're both really important to him. So I think that's what would be happening. And then if you had a child together, then, it, you know, you'd have an even bigger family of three kids. Mm-hmm. I think you would become very attached to his 11-year-old daughter, even though you couldn't adopt her since she has two parents. Right. No, I think I would, absolutely. Yeah. So I think you got scared. I think you got, it reminded you of the prior pain, which is, I think, where some of the fuel is coming from. And, uh, you know, there's that, uh, you know, jumping to conclusions without really knowing what's going on here. You know, one data point versus all the other ones. The one thing, if he was kind of wishy-washy in general, this would be another example of it. But as you said, he is a, he is most of the time a take-charge guy. So what it could be is that he's a take-charge guy 85 to 90% of the time, and there's a certain situation that comes up that he's not the best at handling. Would that be a, a livable mix? I don't know. Maybe. Possibly, yes. Possibly, yeah. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Well, so that's where getting to know him better is what will help you figure that out. Mm. Um, I know we only have another minute or something, or maybe we've even gone over you because I think you don't do 60, but um, what do you think about... Um, the ongoing has Lauda talked to you about Warren? Yeah. Um, Your feelings about him? Yes. Talk about a messy ex. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're uncomfortable with the messiness of this guy with his ex, 
Um, that's not going to be a big improvement. Really depends so. on how the person handles it. You know, I mean. Well, I think uh, it's a pretty damn messy situation. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I mean, the one thing is, is that you know he's he's starting to have hints of becoming available. Yeah. Um, and I know you've liked him for a long time because you liked him back when we were working together. Um, I think I'm pretty pretty sure you mentioned him back then. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's not going to be super available right away, even though he's getting yeah. divorced, you know, emotionally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of cool to have a feeling of abundance. Like that's true. I know, yeah. I know two two cool guys, and I'm getting to know this one, John, and um, you know, and I can since I'm since my unsureness might give me a little bit more courage to be my full self. Like I said, practice. Um, and if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, I also have another interesting option. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would encourage you not to get torn between the two, though. You know, because the one thing that would mess you up or could mess you up is being with one while thinking about the other. Because then you're not with either fully. That would be a disaster. Yeah, that'd be a bummer. So how do you prevent that? What? How do you prevent that? Uh, You come to some peace around it. Like you might, you come to some decision. You go, well, even if I wasn't seeing John right now, Warren's not going to be available for another year. Right? So he's not actually an option at this time. He's a potential for down the road, but he's not a current yeah. option. Right. What What would be tough is if I get involved with John and then he becomes available and I'm like, shit, you know, all these years we've had this attraction and this interest in one another and now that he's finally free, I'm not. And then I can become very distracted and that would be very tough. Well, I think, I don't think he's going to become available for at least a year. You know, he's been involved in this thing, very painful situation for quite a while and it's messy and it's going to be even more painful. You know, this is not going to be a clean, easy divorce, right? I mean, she's pretty belligerent. Um, so if you think about it that way, it's like, you know, what, if, if you knew that he was not going to be available for a year, would you put every, every other guy in hold and just wait for a year? No, I wouldn't. Right. And you're with a guy who's got a lot of what you're wanting. Yeah. A couple question marks, but they're question marks. They're not no's. They're just, hmm, I'm not sure about this part. Yeah. I would say if you're spending a year getting to know John, you know, in the meantime, you're going to be clear about John one way or the other, independent of Warren. What do you think? The thing is that Warren and I are in periodic contact. Uh Uh-huh. Um, you know, I don't know if it's once a month or whatever, or more That's frequent. frequent once a month? Yeah, sometimes more frequent. For a business um, reason? Um, 
between business reasons and personal. You know, we have a friendship. So we um, – I'm coaching one of his direct reports. You what? I'm coaching one of his direct reports. Do you know what a direct report is? No. What's a direct someone, report? Someone – someone who reports to him, someone oh, for whom he is their boss. Like he is a boss to the person that I coach. I think. And so sometimes we, we touch a base about that or, but, um, but we more often than not, it's, a, it's like the friendship, you know? Right. Um, well, I understand the temptation. Like you said, he's been around in the background for a long time. There's been a lot of liking. Yeah. And here's one of the things. If you look at the course of any new relationship, it has a predictable sequence. Um, without knowing the time frame, that can vary tremendously, but the sequence itself is very predictable. You start with the honeymoon phase, right? Where in the honeymoon phase, we go through this period, this is where we start getting attached to each other, where we focus... Um, you know, almost exclusively on what's good, right? I mean, everybody's a mixed bag, right? Nobody's enlightened. So they have their good parts and their bad parts. And during the honeymoon phase, we're, we're, we are focusing pretty exclusively on the good stuff. That's how we help help us bond to them with them, right? And it just feels wonderful. <laughs> it's an exciting period. And it can last for, you know, two days, two months, two years, whatever it is. And then... We reach a point where the bubble bursts and we go into the disillusionment phase. And the disillusionment phase is where, is where the pendulum swings the other way and we all of a sudden it hits us that this person has flaws. <laughs> it's like, right? And it's, oh my God. <laughs> and it, it, it's, and we're, we're overly focused on the flaws, on the negatives. Mm-hmm. it's not a balanced attention. It's like we were overly focused on those, just like we were overly focused on the good stuff. So in neither case are we, are we really giving it a balanced perspective, right? We, we, we the pendulum swinging one side to the other. If we survive the disillusionment phase, then we get to, you know, the, the, the balanced, I forgot what, the, what they call that phrase, but it's the balanced realistic phase, right? It's like, okay, I see the whole person. I see the whole package. I see them. they have all these good stuff. They have these negative things. And I'm okay with the package. And you assume you stay together, right? I see the package realistically, and I'm okay with the package. So I'm fine. I'm good. And we have to get there. So I think what's happened is your bubble burst. You know, this, And sometimes that's what, how it happens. If something upsetting happens, whatever. And the honeymoon bubble bursts, and all of a sudden you're seeing some of the negative stuff, and it's like, oh, shit. What am I getting into here? And, you know, that's where they start talking about these things with their friends. And hopefully their friends say, well, you know, give it time. You have to get to know each other. And you go, oh, okay, all right. And then you spend time, spend more time getting to know each other, and you get this more balanced thing. And it sounds like that's where you're at with, um, with John. And it's scary, and it's just made a little more tricky with, because you have this other guy in the background, which intensifies the disillusionment phase. 
Because you don't even know what John would be like as a romantic partner. You, there's this attraction, there's an interest, a friendship. But none of those are the same as being involved romantically. You mean Warren? I mean Warren, yeah, right, sorry. Yeah, no, I don't know. That's true. Right. I also know a lot of his, I know a lot of his bad features as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. That's the one good thing no about But I have no idea. No, that's right. I have no idea what it is what it would be like as a romantic partner. It's totally different. Right. Totally different. It is. So... You know, I've never gotten to the point where I've been able to accept anybody's flaws completely. The closest I've come was with Seamus, where I I could accept and actually love some of his character flaws. A lot of them. There was one one dynamic I couldn't live with, but... Actually, I could. I, I was planning to do it, but then he he said he didn't want to have a child. So he's the closest I've come. Otherwise, other people have I've never been able to. Now, granted, it's because I've had some men with really big deal breaker flaws. You know, um, much bigger. Well, if it's a true deal breaker, then that's 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 a different story. If it's a deal breaker, it's a deal breaker. It's true. But if you yeah. find yourself, see, knowledgeable achievers, we knowledgeable achievers have to be really careful because our we are built to see the problems. We're built to see what's wrong, which is a great skill to have in those professions where you use it, like coaching, consulting, engineering, medicine, things like that. It's like we're really good at picking up what's wrong and how to fix it, right? We have this, we have a critical eye. Um, Romantically, it gets us in a lot of trouble because we have a critical eye. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. We're very aware of all the flaws. Yeah. Right. We're very aware of what's wrong. So it's, it's a little tricky for us knowledgeable years. How do you get over that? What? How do you get over that? By being aware of it. You know, it's part of our nature, so it's tricky. I'll give you an example of what I did. I mean, my dad's a big knowledgeable achiever, and, and, and I'm a knowledgeable achiever, secondary anyway. And uh, he often had negative commentary, critical commentary about things. And one day, I was a. Uh, there was a period of many years where I was uh, big into dance competitions. I was a, I was competing in West Coast Swing um, for many years. Uh, and you know, I was in the advanced division, but I would be watching the other divisions when it wasn't my turn. And lots of times, I'd find myself sitting next to a friend watching two dancers, two finalists, doing a, a spotlight dance, just the two of them. So it wasn't even part of a group, just the two of them. So I could just focus all my attention on this one couple dancing. And I'd be giving a running commentary throughout the whole dance, pointing out all the flaws, all the mistakes. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? And then finally it hit me. It's like, holy shit, I am, all I'm doing is pointing out what's wrong. So I just decided, okay, from now on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do the opposite. I'm just going to point out what I like about what their, their dance. Because the dance, it's not like everything they did was wrong. There's lots of things they were doing that was good, right? So I just, I just decided for myself as a practice, okay, from now on, from this day forward, sitting next to a friend and by myself, if I'm not talking to anybody, I'm just going to look for what's right, what I like. And I started pointing out those things. Like, oh, look, that was a really cool sequence there. Oh, that was really, oh, that. And I started doing it, and it just felt so different. It felt so nice. But I had to push myself to do it. <laughs> I mean, I had to really like be very intentional about it because I was built to find the flaws. In fact, this one national head judge uh, invited me to to fill in as a judge once, 
and uh, you know, it was, I was judging the champion divisions. These are the top dancers, and there's ten of them. And as judges, all you do is you rank them in, in what you think is first or tenth. And so I did, and and then you can see how well your scores match the final outcome, which is the combination of all the judges' scores, right? Mm-hmm. And I had the best one. My my one through eight matched the final results. There's only nine and ten that got switched. So it's like, hey, I've got a good eye. You know, I can see, I see everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah. but it's, well, how am I using that eye? Am I using it to find what's right and to enjoy things, or am I looking using it to find what's wrong? So as a knowledgeable achiever, I have to, I have to consciously choose where I direct my attention. Hmm. And it made a big difference. I mean, that just, I, that, when I made this practice about dancing, you know, I had a lot of opportunity to practice, but it affected more than just my dance experience. It, it shifted my energy in general. So when I was not at a dance event, you know, I still was looking around and much more likely to see what was right and good rather than what was wrong. So give it a try next time. That's a, in general, a like make your practice. Yeah. When I am a coach, I actually consciously point out the positive a lot. Isn't it your first inclination to point out what they can do to improve from the best of intentions? I mean, you're consciously choosing to point out what's right, but isn't your first inclination to go, oh, here's something you can fix. Okay, you can do that better. This is, here's how you can make that better. Da, 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 da. Isn't, isn't that your first well, inclination? Well, my mind goes there sort of in, a, in an assessment way, you know? Um, but that's in the back stage. And on the front stage is I'm doing a lot of acknowledgement. People yeah. need a lot of acknowledgement. You know, they need a lot of positive reinforcement. But that's your knowledgeable achiever saying, this is how I, am, I can be a good coach, is I take that <laughs> out and I'm, I'm, yeah. I am being a master. It's a behavior, coach. right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I do the same thing. I've learned that I need to bolster my clients, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, yeah. it's good. But, my, but you know, if I'm being honest, my first, my very first most natural inclination is to look for what could be improved and, and bring it up from a place yeah. of wanting to help. You know, it's like I want to help. It's not like I'm being judgmental, but, oh, you suck. You've got all these problems. It's more like, oh, here, this, I can see there's a problem here. Here, this is how you can fix it or make it better or whatever. Right? That's, that's my natural first inclination, but I've trained myself to go, Let's start with all the things you're doing great already, right? Right. That's me overriding my natural tendencies. So, um, so try and do it. Try and take on the practice that I did. You're, where you are making it, like spend one week, just one week. We spend the whole week with everything, not you know him, your your daughter, the, the world, everything. Where you focus on what's good. For one week, see what happens. Okay. You can find an interesting practice. And I'll include next time you're with him. Actually, he, you know what? You know what? I have to say something. Sure. The vast majority of stuff that comes out of my mouth to all the people in my life is incredibly positive and grateful and supportive. Oh. Good. That, that is I, really... I mean, it is. I mean, it's it's how everyone perceives me. You know, everyone, I thank everybody, I acknowledge everybody. It's really what I already do. 
it's yeah. just with regard to finding a partnership. I'm not, I don't know, it's almost like, you know how I went from accepting really bad behaviors, like really extreme sort of mood disorders and, and flaws in people, alcoholism, PTSD, um, right. you know, abusive behavior, oh, yeah. to, to now I'm at the point where I'm like, that's it. He's done. You know? <laughs> I've sort of, I've swung the pendulum maybe. Say it again. It's, uh, I missed last time. Sorry, I've swung the pendulum. And maybe, well, uh, maybe I've gotten to the point of total intolerance because I used to tolerate so much. Yeah. No, I, I, you've come a really long way. Absolutely. And I need to clarify one thing I just realized listening to what you just said. Knowledgeable achievers only do that when they're in their defense, right? We call it rule keeper. A knowledgeable achiever not in defense doesn't necessarily do that. But, oh. Right? So when we feel scared or threatened, oh, we're going to fall into our defense, which is... The stress keeper. behavior, yeah. Stress behavior, exactly. And where do we tend to feel stressed? In an early stage of relationships, especially when we just, you know, just got past the honeymoon phase and we're in the disillusionment phase and we feel really stressed. Did I really only get six weeks of honeymoon? <laughs> That's not very much. <laughs> well, hey, you... <laughs> Uh, my honeymoon phase is usually didn't last longer than that. Um, yeah, Aladdin and I, well, Aladdin and I had a very unique situation. We had a very challenging, be- very beginning, and we got through it, and then we got into our honeymoon phase. Oh, I've heard of that. My friend Hillary went through that, too. Yeah. But so that's because I, asked, I asked the universe for that, so I, and I'm a good manifester, so I got it. You know, it's probably a better way to do it because you already know what the downside is. So you can have the honeymoon when you already know it. It's not like a delusional honeymoon. It's like a fully fully knowledgeable <laughs> honeymoon. <laughs> well, for me, is uh, I've had a bad experience with somebody where I thought we were really well-matched, but then when the first issue that came up, there was we had like no ability to work it out together. Mm. So after that experience, I asked the universe for something very specific, and I got it very specifically. Because I wanted to be my soulmate, and I want there to be something we have to deal with early on so I can find out whether or not we can deal with stuff. Oh, cool. And so I got exactly what I asked for. And it's a tricky request because your soulmate, how likely are you going to have any issues you have to deal with early on? You know, because generally you get along quite well with somebody like that. Right. And, uh, right, so usually, you know, the first issue is not going to show up for many months into the relationship. And But I wanted, I asked for it right away, and so the, the universe came up with a solution, and that is, you know, we started seeing each other, and these people started coming up to her, telling her bad things about me. And it's like, okay, we, we got it. <laughs> no go. kidding. People were saying bad things about you? Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, and then it became something that Loud and I had to work out together, and we successfully did, and I was happy with that, how yeah. we did it. Well, one of the ways it came up that people started saying bad things about me is I had reached a point, you know, I was a, a big presence in the dance community because I'm, um, you know, one of the, the best male dancers there, so I stand out. So yeah. everybody sitting saw me, right, one way or the other. And... uh in the last several years, I 
you know, I was looking for my, my life partner and I was getting older and older and I, I reached this point where it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm no more messing around, no lingering in relationships. You know, I, as soon as I know that this is not the right person, I'm out. You know, when I was younger, yeah. I might stay in just to see if I was enjoying what we were doing, but I'm I'm in marriage mode here. So the day I know that this is not the right, this is not my life partner, I'm out. And so I started having these series of short relationships. You know, I'd start seeing somebody within two or three months, like, nope, because she's not it. Okay, I'm out. And people saw that. So people started going up to loud saying, you know, this guy is a serial dater. He's not into commitment. Da, 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 stuff. And the irony is, is, you know, I mean, it's understandable they had that impression, but mm, it was for the yeah. opposite reason. It wasn't that I was afraid of commitment or didn't want to commit. It was that I was in super serious trying to find my wife mode. So if you're not my wife, we're done, right? Time to move on. It took a while to find her. So, but it gave us something to, to work out. So, Boom. I got my wish. That was great. <laughs> Most stressful, but good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, don't write this guy off. Get to know him better. Okay. Find out the full story. <laughs> Will do. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's so funny. It's uh, it's great to see your style again because you guys, you two, are so different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this was more of a consultation. It wasn't really like a deep healing session or anything like that. No, like, but it, it's I, it like um, just the EFT portion is your styles are different, you know. Yeah. And the and the muscle testing and it's interesting. I I sometimes I forgot, but it's just uh, it's good to have it again. Thank you. Yeah, and it was a real pleasure to to be with you again. You were always one of my dessert clients. <laughs> yeah, because I just I go with it, right? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. You're what? Because I I go with it, right? I I sort of go I go where you want me to go. Well, it's not just that. You know, that's an obedient client, I guess. But it's more like, um, <laughs> you you it's not so much you you do what I ask you to do is that you go for it, right? It's like, I'll say, well, how about this? And you go, yeah, and yeah, I'm really doing it. And it's like, you, there's this, you know, I don't know, it's hard to put into words exactly, but, you know, just, I know I, just, I enjoy our connection period and you've got cool energy and and you just have a very dynamic process and stuff like that. No, it's just all really feels good. Excellent. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I do still intend to, to to do my certification, but I've just been so overwhelmed, you know, with having a baby, going back to work, and now that my whole work situation has changed, I'm on my own completely. Um, I'm just trying to get a bunch of things settled, and then I'm going to come to it. But um, it's just been totally overwhelming. I understand. Yeah. I suspect that having a baby might put a slight crimp in the plans and all. <laughs> I know, I know, but I really want to do it. I don't. Does my does my class ever expire? Well, are you still using EFT? A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the idea is, you know, if you're not getting rusty, if you're if you're keeping up with it, it's okay. You know, if you find yourself getting rusty, then sometimes you have to do a refresher or something. Mm, Okay. You know, I would trust you to be honest about it. Um, you know, the cool thing is that a refresher 
um, you know, level two weekends are cheap. You know, somebody wants to repeat, recharge them. Uh, well, oh yeah, there's time with the baby. A lot of us saying. So that's that's probably the hardest part, I guess. Yeah, the baby. Yeah. 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 It's hard for me, exactly. It's hard for me. Are you guys in Boston already, by the way? Yeah, we're in Boston right now. We're in the hotel. Hire. Where are you staying? Where is it like downtown Heinz Convention Center or something? Uh, uh, Hyatt Harbor. I'm looking at the harbor right now out our window. Oh, you're at the, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was thinking of you guys sitting out in Western Mass, but you're actually you just you're in town. <laughs> we are in town, it's true. Good. Yeah, All right. it's too bad you can't uh, attend. I know with the baby it makes it hard. But. Yeah, with a baby and work and stuff, I have to kind of pick my day-long, my my times where I'm apart from her, and she's sick right now. and uh-huh. So, sounds yeah, she's great. pretty well during the session. Yeah, she's been nursing, so. <laughs> <laughs> she's sick and nursing, so she kind of, if she's attached, then, then uh, uh-huh. she's, she's quiet. But now she's waking up a little. So. That's funny image. I'm having a session, tapping, and I got a baby attached to my book. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and I do that often, actually. <laughs> That's funny. We've got the baby attached to the boob, and I'm tapping. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad you got your wish. I know it's so amazing. It's just fantastic. Uh huh. It's just the best ever. Really, really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Does Lauda know that Lisa is pregnant? Yeah. Yeah, she mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, she's very happy about that, too. I'm telling you, Lauda, she, she should start a subspecialty, helping women get pregnant. Yep, it's true. She likes it. <laughs> she loves it. But, anyway, need to get going. I have to go down and register. So. All right. Have a great couple of days, and thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's great to reconnect with you, too. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Okay, take care. Okay, you too. Thanks, thanks, bye-bye. Bye-bye.